0: My guest today is one of the most preeminent physicians in British Columbia and was a pioneer in arthroscopic surgery and sports medicine, even developing the world's first surgical robot. In addition to academic orthopedics, he has lectured and written on health policy and previously held the post of President at the Canadian Medical Association. Despite the deterioration of Canada's public healthcare, made even worse by the pandemic, Dr. Brian Day is optimistic that physicians can lead necessary reform and propose solutions that can get Canadian healthcare sustainable and functional once again. Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. Well, Doctor, it's great to have you with me today. Great to be with you. We're gonna talk a little bit about our healthcare system. And uh, I mean, a lot of people think everything's fine. Uh, They're not aware of flaws or issues until they need it. And uh, then there's some real problems. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about how bad our healthcare system is and maybe even compared to other countries. What you're the expert on this. Well, I mean, it's not just now
1: that it's become rated badly. It's always been. So even uh, going back to, you know, the early part of this century in the world health organization ranked Canada's health system 30th in the world. Um, And the only, we, you know, many took, um, took some hope from the fact that the the U.S was ranked even lower at 37. so um and it, but now the most recent rankings which come out um there's one in from Europe which ranked us um uh, compared to European countries 23rd um there's one from the Canadian Institute for Health information and the Commonwealth fund Canadian Institute for Health Information called Kaha is a, a federal federally funded body, they ranked us 10th out of 10 alongside countries that offer universal healthcare. Um, And coincidentally, we also rank the highest in spending amongst those 10, and the last in equity amongst those 10, and the last in health outcomes
0: amongst those 10. So there's something not right with our system. What are you noticing? I mean, you're a doctor, you're an orthopedic surgeon, you've been practicing for years in Canada. Just give me some examples for people who are listening. What is going on that you're seeing? Waiting lists, problems, issues, what are they?
1: Well, I I would like to say this was happening way before COVID. Um, You know, we we talk about the shortages of doctors and nurses. Well, it's no coincidence that in the early 1990s um, the the NDP governments of British Columbia and Ontario um, decided that having too many doctors and nurses was causing too much um, healthcare to be delivered. And so they cut back on medical schools and closed nursing schools um, uh, and and hospitals. Um, So I mean, Roy Romano who, who operated a um you know operated but was the chair of a 2002 royal commission when he was premier of saskatchewan closed 52 hospitals right. and now we're today we're ranked uh, 69th in doctors per population and 31st in hospital beds and yet we have the most expensive system in the world the the problem underlying problem being that that um that the government is not operate not running the system
0: well and that they are to blame. Now, in other countries, if they want if they need surgery or anything like that, they get in fairly quickly. Is that correct? In some of the other better run systems? Abs- abs- absolutely,
1: absolutely um, correct. That um, you know, we had um, we, we we can if we compare ourselves to countries. Social democracies like Sweden and Denmark and, and Germany and France—we um, are way behind in access. And as I said, the the stats Canada. What what's interesting is the lower income the lower income groups in Canada and the most um, the most in need have the worst health outcomes and the worst a- access. Those 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 statistics come from the government. So we are underperforming um, on a scale that, that's incredible. In 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 Germany, for instance, where patients don't wait and never have waited the way we the way Canadians have to wait, whether it be in the emergency department or for for, uh, for scheduled surgeries or for an MRI, or um, we we are
0: grossly underperforming. And spending more than they do, so Germany has no weights on any surgeries, and we have years. Well, I wouldn't say they have no waits. So, for instance, one of the one of the arguments raised in our
1: constitutional challenge, and and they actually quoted a study from Germany by our by the uh, opposing bodies, was that in in Germany um, they have a private system running alongside the public system, and this is terrible because the weight for you you know the, they reference an article, the weight for a gastroscopy, which is where you put a, an instrument into the stomach, was many was double uh, double that in in, in the um, public system. and the same with MRIs. But then when you went and delved into the data, the wait list for an MRI in the public system in Germany was double, but it was two weeks. And it was one week in the private system, and the gastroscopy in Canada in BC, the wait was twelve months. But the double wait in Germany in the public system was one month. So the, the, this is how people distort the facts. Um, that you, if you just say, "Oh, it, it, it's kind of like saying um, it's inequitable uh, because it's not equal," but. The least equitable health system among 10 developed nations, according to the Canadian
0: Institute for Health Information and the Commonwealth Fund, is Canada. Wow. Well, what are the real human costs for wait lists? What what is going on with people's lives? Are they on pain meds waiting for a a surgery for months and months? Worse than that, that, um, people are becoming drug addicted.
1: Um, on narcotics as they wait in pain. And even the, you know, in our trial, this was pre-COVID in British Columbia alone, over 35,000 patients were waiting beyond government mandated maximum acceptable wait times, 35,000. But the the crux, the the key issue there is at the same time, those 35,000 patients were denied um, the ability to care for their own health um, by by law, and it's the only country. So I think this is something that Canadians don't know. There is only one country in the world where it's unlawful to obtain private health insurance for hospital and medical services as a, uh, and that's Canada. Not in China, not in North Korea, not in Cuba, not in Vietnam. These communist countries have a dual system. And it keeps the public system honest. It's like any monopoly is bad for the user of the service that the monopoly provides
0: because they don't have any, anything, any yardstick by which to be measured. So doctors like you who are in the system, you're there every day working with people. You've got answers, but the government is not listening. Is that correct? Well, my, my approach, you know, to, to put
1: it, to explain it as an analogy, um, if supposing there was a league, uh, if, if you were a, a soccer fan or a hockey fan, and your team was 10th in the league, which we are in, in developed nations in healthcare, um, bottom, wouldn't you look at what the top? couple of teams are doing differently especially when you're spending more on your team than any of the other players and the 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 problem in canada is that we have a government only system that doesn't do that and what wh- what i'm alluding to of course is that every one of the other performing systems has a small element of non-government competition and and that Forces accountability because the public can then see that there is a yardstick by which that, and the reason they don't like private facilities like the one we have in British Columbia um, is that we make them look bad. Whereas if you don't exist and it's the only option, then a two year wait to get a surgery seems fine. Um, But Getting back to what you were saying, a study came out of a group recently that showed 11,500 patients in Canada a year die on public wait lists. They die without being treated. In our recent um, case before the BC Appeal Court, the Appeal Court stated quite unequivocally that patients were suffering and dying on wait lists. And, and that was something that the Supreme Court of Canada ruled in the 2005
0: uh, Charlie case. That's interesting because like if they're in control of everything, is there still a behind the scenes uh, tiered system? Like do politicians get in quicker? Do others get oh, in yes. quicker? <laughs> so our private clinic in
1: uh, Canby Surgery Center in Vancouver. Um, so the the defendant in our recent constitutional challenge, which is going to the Supreme Court of Canada, was the Office of the Attorney General of British Columbia as the official defendant. They send, they've sent our clinic private patients, their staff. The BC Nurses Union was the instigator of the of our, they forced us into this legal challenge. They send us patients. The the current NDP government, we have had and i can't name them for privacy reasons we have had two leaders of the ndp government treated at our clinic privately the groups that opposed us as interveners in the court canadian doctors for medicare two of their executives have been treated privately at our clinic this is that and and many years ago over 20 years ago i wrote an article because it was happening then called a hypocritical oath and this is hypocrisy and it's it's kind of like the former Soviet Union, where if you're on the central part commission, party commission, you you didn't have the same problems of um, of anything that that the
0: the proletariat. Had. So so government won't let us fix the system to look after regular Canadians. They're waiting. Uh, you know, for months and months for a one-hour operation on drugs the entire time, dying, get addicted. But if one of the politicians needs surgery, they quickly know exactly what to do to get it in the nation. Yes. Well, federal employees are exempt from these rules. And
1: among federal employees are included, um, you know, federal members of parliament, um, senators, judges, Prisoners, federal prisoners are exempt. And, you know, one of the things I often say is our legal challenge is
0: to fight so that the Canadians who are not in jail have the same rights as those who are in jail. We've got prisoners getting who are getting the surgery first. Uh, They're they're breaking laws. They're locked up and they're getting into the surgery before uh, a citizen who's contributing and working and paying taxes and a healthy part of society.
1: We've had federal federal prison, prison authorities send us prisoners, long-term prisoners, because they need them back for the basketball team quickly, and they've been treated privately, yes.
0: Now, other countries are doing way better than us. And so you were talking about, I, remember, I, heard, I heard you uh, in an interview talking about there are 12 areas of health care that someone wrote a book on. And uh, we're nowhere in any of those areas doing very well. No, but I think most significantly,
1: we are rated last yeah. for low-income individuals, which is what, what the supporters seem to think is, is, is the, the strength of our system. We are rated last by objective criteria. And most, uh, again, significantly, last in equity. We're the most inequitable of the ten countries that the that Kaihai and the Commonwealth Fund looked at for equity. This is what they're arguing is the reason why we don't allow any competition, why we maintain a monopoly. And I I, I say to those people, name me one monopoly that serves the the, the 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 recipient of the service well.
0: The answer is there is none. So do you work in a public hospital and have your own clinics? How do you do that?
1: For many years, I worked at the Vancouver General Hospital and the UBC Hospital. I still have privileges there. Um, but um, when I became president of the Canadian Medical Association, um, I stopped working at the public hospital because you have to do on call. But I think the you know it's important to point out that my specialty is orthopedic surgery, which also has the longest wait list in Canada. When I gave up my operating time, it was taken over by a new, orthope- young orthopedic surgeon who was able to do the on-call. I was on the road. The point here is that there are over two hundred young orthopedic surgeons in Canada who cannot get operating time in the public hospital because they are rationing access. And um, so, so that's you know that's a big problem that we have this paradox that, uh, you know, long wait lists in orthopedics and other specialties, and yet we have a surplus of orthopedic surgeons, and it's because we built Canby Surgery Center in the mid-90s because our operating time, my operating time at the public hospital would progressively cut from 22 hours a week down to five hours a week, and I had 450 patients waiting to get into hospital, and that's. that's so what we are doing in Canada is driving doctors and nurses out of the system by rationing in in other areas like family medicine, we are and and my wife is a retired family physician um we are because of the rationed resources, we are grossly underpaying them. Doctors are retiring early and leaving nurses the same way there's a toxic environment in the public system caused by rationed resources and and for governments to to claim that they do that oh if you allow some private competition it will draw nurses and doctors away it's the exact opposite they will retain doctors and nurses so at our clinic uh, canby where we have about 100 doctors 23 of them are young surgeons who would not be in Canada if it were not for the fact that we've retained them here. And private facilities in British Columbia treat 89,000 patients a year. Those patients would be placed in the public system if we didn't exist. In other words, the queues would get longer. The exact opposite
0: of what opponents of of, of freedom of competition claim. So what I'm hearing you say is that we're not short of o r s to do the operations in we've got the doctors as well who can operate in the o r s uh but that doesn't matter so like here's a question I have for you the If I need an orthopedic surgeon okay, and I go to a hospital, how can I bypass that to get to you
1: well or the only I? way the only way legally now is. Is and and this is interesting. So on the, tomorrow, I'm operating on patients from Alberta and Manitoba, and, right. and in our clinic, who who don't wait at all. Because once you cross a provincial border, you have rights that the residents of that province don't have, and that is the right to to access healthcare when you need it and not when the government says you you're going to get it you know what? this to me this this is um, the other group that are exempt are injured workers and um and veterans um, and uh, uh, the federally who the workers compensation patients are, uh across the country are exempt so workers compensation patients don't wait um they are covered by private insurance, and we, we say that that that's great,
0: but why can't everyone have the same uh, option? That would probably be a whole lot cheaper than all the money that's being wasted on a system that's flawed. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, of course, is Canada is unique among the
1: OECD, developed countries, in funding our hospitals with an annual global budget. Well, it's called block funding. And what I say is blocked funding blocks access. That means that when you go to a public hospital in Canada, you are using up the hospital's revenue. So a big hospital might get $2 billion a year. Every patient that goes there is a block to access, is a a cost. So the chief financial officer does not want patients. What we need to do is copy other OECD countries where... The public money even follows the patient so that if you go for a hip replacement to a hospital in Alberta in a public hospital, the hospital gets revenue from the public system. That changes the whole perception of how a hospital looks upon on, um, on patients, that, um, that patients patients need to be looked upon as desirable entities, not as costs to the facility. And we are the only developed country that completely block funds our hospitals and that's that 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 need that could be done very quickly the wow. trouble is it would end in, you know the the government has admitted that service is rationed they have explicitly come out and admitted that they've got a limited amount of money and what we argue is that the way to gain more access into the public into the healthcare system is to allow just as they do with dentistry and physiotherapy and medications and ambulances even allow the private sector um where where net, where it wants to to fund those so so yes keep a public universal system as they have in every other developed um country but don't make don't keep it as a
0: monopoly where there's nothing to compare it to for the consumer wow that's yeah that is so what can people do about this like truthfully when you think when you talk about hospitals i mean going to a hospital isn't a fun thing to do but if you're in pain and you're suffering it should be i rarely hear people say man it was a good experience in the hospital and i've even heard doctors say that before covid it was a broken system that was maxed out. And then when we went into the COVID uh, season that they kept saying, well, it's taxing all of our systems. Um, It was already taxed. It was certainly.
1: So so the statistics on 35,000 patients in British Columbia waiting beyond the time that the government says they are at risk of a significant problem and even dying. And that was before COVID. Um, and you know there is this group out of McMaster that have estimated the wait times as a result of COVID will rise up to seven times or
0: more. That's over two hundred thousand on the wait list if they're right.
1: Yes, and and um, we don't know how many are on the public wait list because part of the you know part of the rationing of doctors and nurses is is that they can't get access to the second. Um, point of, of of a wait list, which is seeing the specialist, because you need a referral in the public system to see a specialist. So there are multiple measures in place to allow rationed access to healthcare, care. And, um, and I think we just need to, uh, getting back to the hockey and soccer analogy, why don't governments just look at countries that do better and co- yes. and, and learn from them? Why is there that resistance? Why do we cling to a system that we that everybody acknowledges is underperforming? Why do we? Why do we cling to it? What do you think? In large part, it's a perception of fear that um, that this system is in somehow uh, considered a, a founding feature of nationhood in Canada, which is false. You cannot have a system in which eleven and a half thousand Canadians die each year on a waitlist and consider that a founding desirable uh, feature of uh, of our nationhood. It's completely irrational. The, the, the biggest problem is the politicization. The politicians across the country are afraid of this because they the public sector unions and similar groups have pounded them into believing that a monopoly is the best way and and yet even the public sector unions are now realizing their wages and salaries are going down. One of the advantages of allowing some private um, insurance and private facilities is that it will increase job opportunities and also increase wages at no cost to the taxpayer. When private facilities exist, unlike the public facilities, the taxpayer does not pay for the Um, infrastructure development. It does not pay for the buildings. It does not pay for the operation. And if those facilities make what's called, you know, the so-called the dirty word profit, guess what? The profits are taxed and it goes back into the public system. Hospitals don't contribute to the public system uh, funding in the way that hospitals do. And then the last thing I would say, there are over 2 million United States residents travel abroad every year for healthcare. We are their biggest trading partner. None of them come to Canada. In countries like England and uh, Switzerland and Belgium, and dare I say Cuba, they, are, they open their public hospitals to non-residents, make that, make that, m- allow them to be treated there, and generate revenue that they use to subsidize and improve the public system. This is called medical tourism. It's one of the biggest growing industries, a multi-billion-dollar industry. Our biggest trading partner. No, no Americans come to Canada because we have massive wait lists. But there are many ways to improve this system, but politicians, the you know, healthcare is called the third rail, the electrified rail. They're afraid of it, and they shouldn't be. Because an Ipsos poll in 2018 um, showed that 76% of Canadians across Canada support the uh, supported our, our constitutional challenge and and allowing Canadians choice and and allowing Canadians who are, who are facing
0: long waitlists to obtain private health insurance. 76% across the country. We're in the, in the last minute or so here. Are you, are you guys in a, in a lawsuit right now? Yes. Yeah. So we've just, we have lost our challenge.
1: We, you know, we, we basically um, went to court and said uh, at the BC courts and said that patients are suffering and dying on lists. This is unconstitutional, just to to put it very simply. It was a violation of their rights to life, liberty and security of the person. the, went to the, we lost at the lower Supreme Court. Then it went to the BC Appeal Court, who granted us that um, patients were suffering and dying on waitlists. Um, but they they said they, they actually came out and said that the law is grossly disproportionate and causing irreparable physical harm and increased risk to life. But they said that they didn't understand whether that might be harmful to the system overall. They said we're not a health ro- royal commission. We don't have the information to deal with it. Same thing happened in the Quebec case in 2005. And so we will have to go to the Supreme Court of Canada where the Quebec refusal by the lower courts was overturned. And basically we're arguing that Canadians who live outside of Quebec should have the same
0: legal rights that the Supreme Court of Canada gave to the residents of Quebec. So where can we follow you and what's going on or get more information on this? Well, I'm on Twitter at at Dr. Brian Day.
1: um, And um, I think that as this goes to the Supreme Court of Canada, it's going to be in the news. um, But I mean, I think anyone listening to the news daily now knows this health system is in a crisis. Everyone admits that. Let's, Let's look at
0: that systems that are not in a crisis and and learn from them dr day thank you for being with us this has been eye opening uh coming from an orthopedic surgeon looking at our system thank you so much for being on we're gonna have a talk again thank you you are an essential part of this series support truth knowledge and wisdom by sharing this show with a friend visit returntoreason.tv There you can subscribe to my newsletter by clicking become an insider. Get the latest articles, episodes, and exclusive content. You'll be the first to know about fascinating conversations I've had recently and what my research team is working on. If you have a suggestion for the show or would like the reference material for this episode, use the link in the show notes. Experience return to reason, get involved.